0: Hello and welcome to Hear the Be Dragons, a Black Sales podcast. I'm Lewis.
1: And I'm Chelsea.
0: Hey! Hi, guys. It's been a while.
1: Sorry about that. So basically, this podcast is a fun thing for us to do together because obviously we love Black sales and we love talking about Black Sails, um, but the past month it honestly just had to get pushed to the bottom of our to-do list because things got cray
0: yeah um and things are still crazy but i think we're gonna figure out a better system to sneak this in i think it's more likely we'll be releasing this on weekends now because chelsea's does grad school stuff and she's got homework and a bunch of stuff that is very stressful on the weekdays and also works but also works full-time on the weekends but sometimes she gets a day off and
1: Welcome to my crazy schedule. If you life. wanted to feel a little bit of the
0: stress of... Yeah. <laughs> um, but we still love Black Sails. Yes. We still love doing this. Yes. We're still doing this. Yes. Um, yeah, I spent so much time over the past few weeks as we were like trying to figure out how and when to do this. Um, just being like, oh, I love Black Sails so much. Yeah. And I think it's mostly because of Twitter. And seeing like the trailer for um, Toby Stevens' new show... <gasps>
1: Lost in space. And also just
0: seeing how the cast on Twitter was so excited for him.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: it was really great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Black Sails. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we dive in, even before the recap, I don't know how many people are actually rewatching the show in pace with us, but I know that there are some of you. So uh-huh. j- just to recap where we're at plot-wise before this episode, um, this is... Ep- so this is episode 16. It's a it's season 2 episode 8. Mm-hmm. Um we're in the we're nearing the end of season 2. Yeah. And Flint and Miranda have successfully basically retrieved Abigail mm-hmm. to take her to Peter Ash and their ultimate plan is to negotiate is to basically exchange Abigail Ash for some goodwill from Peter Ash who mm-hmm. was their friend back when they were working in London to do the pardon pirate, the pirate pardon plan. Um, but he's now, say that
1: three times fast. the pirate
0: pardon (laughs) plan. Um, but now he's the governor of, Charlestown. Er, Charlestown. And, um, and is also a noted, uh, killer? Or hunter. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of tension around that. Meanwhile, um, Silver has, uh, basically lied to Flint, and Mm -hmm. orchestrated the, uh, for him to believe that the gold has disappeared from the beach where it's been sitting for the past season mm-hmm. um, and is basically going to plot to get it himself. But um, he's... With, with Max. With Max. So he told Max where the gold is, um, and she is working with Jack and his new band of pirates who are still sort of operating out of the brothel yeah, um, with Mr. Featherstone to uh, retrieve the gold. And... Um, I believe that's all the really big, big plot machinations. The rest of it, like, will be summarized in the plot, some well, in the episode summary.
1: After the big standoff between Flint and Vane, Vane was stuck in the fort. Oh, right. And Eleanor took Abigail from Vane, so he's basically said, my crew's gonna murder me.
0: Yeah. He says, you're basically sentencing me to death by taking her out of here. Yeah. Be- after I let you in. Yeah. Um... So, that's the plot of Black Sails, yeah. or that's the plot of the show up until now. And do you want to do the episode summary, or do you want to say just talk about something yeah, like I
1: think one? we should just dive in. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think we'll cover, uh, you've brought us up to date, and I think we'll cover a lot of the important stuff that happens in the episode just by talking. About
0: oh, you mean skip the summary? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Okay, so this episode begins. Welcome to
1: the brand new <laughs> Here There Be Dragons. Things are switching up.
0: Mm. (laughs) Okay, um, so this episode begins with, uh, so this episode begins with Abigail Ashe's perspective. Well, first of all, it begins with a flashback, or a nightmare?
1: I think it's a nightmare flashback.
0: Okay, great. Love those. (laughs) Um, of her abduction by Ned Lowe, who is, like, a face that, I don't know about you, but I forgot about him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was nice to get reminded of him and how traumatizing he is.
0: (laughs) He's really traumatizing, um... And also, like, that scene is so traumatizing, too. Yeah. It's, like, very nightmarish. And yeah. there's been a few scenes where we've seen things from a pirate victim's perspective. Yeah. But none of them were shot like that. Yeah. That was, like, total horror movie. Um, So you can imagine why she's been shaken and, you know, kept in a dusty, dirty old prison for the past few days also.
1: Yeah. She has not had a good time. No. With pirates so far. So she has a lot of talk about... Monsters and how these men are just doing, like, what I forget what episode it was, but back when Flint was talking about what you need to be to be a good pirate, he said, So we all know how to dance the dance, we all know the tune. And Abigail references how these pirates seem to be just doing this theater for her, and it seems like a facade that they're performing, but they're underneath it at their core. They are monsters. Yeah. Which I understand that point of view from her. Mm-hmm. She's seen nothing to disprove that. Mm-hmm. She's only seen people pretending to be nice and actually doing horrible things.
0: She's saying all this to herself. She's writing a diary.
1: Yeah, she's writing it in a journal. She said, they were nice. They gave this to me for the journey, like to occupy my time. But I bet they're going to burn it when I'm yeah.
0: There's a scene, um, during that voiceover of her sort of narrating her perspective on the pirates, which is like, you know, she does say ultimately like they're, they're driven by some monstrous thing inside, but she's already like, I don't know, get gotten underneath them in a very short amount of time, given how much torture she's like withstood at the hands of Ned Lowe and not torture from Vane, but imprisonment and mistreatment, um, I don't know. I think she's, she develops a really high opinion of them, all, like, pretty quickly.
1: Well, I think that Miranda has a lot to do with that. Yeah. That she gets to be with Miranda. But also, like, this is very different from her imprisonment. Yeah. She can do whatever she wants. She can write. She can read.
0: There's a moment where she's sitting on the deck of the ship and Miranda is sitting next to her reading. Mm-hmm. And and she says, they're probably going to burn this after, mm-hmm. and they're monsters, But for that moment, like that shot, it's like beautiful. It's like she's sitting on the deck of this ship and there's the open wide ocean around them and it's flat and like beautiful. And she's sitting there.
1: And she's going home.
0: And she's going home. Mm -hmm. And she's sitting there writing while Miranda's reading and they're just chilling.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because while she's talking to herself and she's saying like, they've treated me nicely, she looks at one pirate who nods at her and seems to be polite and then she looks at this other pirate who just is kind of scarred and has got kind of a grumpy face and she just looks at him and says but really i know they're really monsters yeah she's very just comparing those two sides is they're both just very surface interpretations
0: yeah but that's all she's got right she's not going to talk to them right um, at least, well, she
1: wants to talk to Warner Yeah, <laughs> at least not until
0: Billy Bones places that cannon on the table. <laughs> <laughs>
1: By cannon, do you mean bicep? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> There's, um, I, I, I don't know if I'm detecting something, the undercurrents of the actors in that scene, but it totally, the way that scene plays out, it totally seems like it is the result of the director being like, no, 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 no place your bicep on the table as if you're about to have it for dinner. Like, put it there, and it is the main event. Because um, it's just the way he's actually put it on the table seems a little unnatural, and it is very clearly, like, in the spotlight. Like, the light is catching it they were perfectly. They like, no, rub
1: some more Vaseline on it. Yeah. make it
0: shine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, she I mean, she doesn't speak to Billy when he's there. No, but, she just
1: gives him the eyes.
0: Right. And um, Billy
1: looks at her like, what? It's wrong with
0: and the Miranda's <laughs> and Miranda's like I know exactly what's going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, wait, are we talking about Billy now? Are we still sure. talking about Abigail?
1: We're playing fast and loose. Okay. This new podcast. New Okay, last.
0: that's not the new new podcast. year. This is, no, we've already recorded <laughs> a few in twenty eighteen. Um, well, do you? I mean, I also want to finish the loop on that guy, on the scarred guy that she saw because I mean, you just said that thing about. She makes eye contact with that guy who's just staring at her creepily. Yeah. And then by the end of the episode, at when they're doing a bur- burial at sea. Burial?
1: Burial. 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 A burial
0: know. at sea. <laughs> um, she says, um, "Oh, what is the thing that she says? The thing about the monsters? I
1: think she says something like, these monsters are men. Yeah. And the men fear their own monsters.
0: Yeah. And the implication of that is just like death?
1: It's yeah. just like
0: they're scared too. Yeah. It's a they're, scary life. They're men. Yeah.
1: They're actual humans and for the most part I mean there are people like Flint and Vane who make these awful choices and do awful things but for the most part these pirates are just outcasts who had to leave England for some reason or some other country for some reason had to join a crew and just Do what they're told and try not to die.
0: Right. Yeah. And she develops some understanding of that back in the Billy scene. Yeah. When we learn a little bit more about Billy's backstory. Because she asks for it. No, Flint just sees that she knows, she has noticed him. Yeah. And he's like, here's who Billy is. Yeah. Which, before we get into it...
1: It's a little bit of a retcon.
0: Because... Flint doesn't know Billy in the very beginning of the show. Yeah, there's a moment where Gates says Billy's coming with you, and Flint says, "Who's Billy?" Yeah. So
1: it's definitely possible that as Billy rose to power, Flint was like Gates, "Tell me more about him."
0: Or he was like, "Oh yeah, he was that kid. I didn't know his name." Yeah. Or something. Yeah. But I up until this moment didn't know that Flint knew. I I, I would have thought that Billy Billy and Flint's relationship had happened entirely on screen. Yeah. So in this episode, we hear the story of how Billy joined the crew. Which is basically that uh, Billy, it sounds like, had a normal upbringing, had a normal childhood, was born in civilization, born to parents who taught him how to read and write because they enlisted him to support their political cause. He was Mm -hmm. distributing pamphlets in the street. And I guess the implication also is that he wrote and understood the pamphlets too. Um, And the pamphlets were speaking out in... uh, opposition to impressment and press gangs and and kidnapping and all that and Flynn says I suppose that then a bunch of press gangs came into town and found him distributing the pamphlets and found it funny so they took him Um, and then he spent three years basically enslaved Mm -hmm. um, and abused and made to work without pay Um, and that's how the pirates found him and they freed him Mm -hmm. and then later on they had a chance to, or uh, er, they found the man who took Billy, and Billy killed that guy. Yeah. And then Billy has felt since that he can't return to his parents. Yeah. Because he's gone bad, I yeah. suppose. Um, that's. A, I mean, it's a really simple story, but it also is like, it makes perfect sense that Billy came from civilization, and it harbors some sense of justice still deep inside. Um, and also
1: that he was taken from his family as a child yeah because he still has that sort of sense of moral innocence about him yeah like it, it seems like his his morality was taught to him as a child because that's when he was growing up with his parents and learning about right and wrong but he didn't get to fully flesh that out and fully complicate that until he was with the pirates
0: yeah and also that he his relationship to the to the pirates and people around him is like pleasing them to yeah. some extent. Like he's
1: well, and it's also so based in democracy. Yeah, he wants to be a leader of the group of pirates, just like his parents were a leader in their community for being voices for people who are um, who are abused and who are voiceless.
0: Yeah, I, I think like. In his head, he would say, "Yeah, these are pirates, but they're they're not the same. We're different, right? Um,
1: that that he's different from the pirates,
0: or no? That that the pirates are different from the people who took him. Oh yeah, yeah. Like we still murder and pillage and whatever, but like we have a system, <laughs> or we're we we have a fair society.
1: Yeah, we're building a, a utopia.
0: Yeah, um,
1: and also I bet he thinks that he's continuing his parents." Um, Legacy.
0: I mean, I don't know about that because there's a lot of, like, self-pity, I guess, in the story that Flint told. I I mean, I think he didn't go back to his parents because he's ashamed and because he doesn't think he's worthy. I don't think that he thinks that his parents would be proud of him.
1: No, but I think he's continuing with their intentions.
0: I suppose, yeah. In his yeah. own way. Yeah. He was clearly raised from a young age to be political. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, so we get that little backstory from Billy by way of Abigail, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Um.
1: But we also see yet again that Billy has no interest in Abigail.
0: Oh, yeah. Continuing your...
1: Because Billy is asexual.
0: You know, he might be.
1: I just think so.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was perplexed by her stare. Yeah. Is that it for Abigail? I think so. She does a bunch of she says a bunch of stuff once they get to Charlestown.
1: Okay, what did she say?
0: She stands um I don't know, she stands up for Flint and then she gets them an audience with Peter Ashe.
1: Yeah, that's a great scene. Yeah. I love how strong she is.
0: Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great. Check on that. Uh-huh. Um so who do you want to talk about next? There's lots of places to go.
1: Um Well, let's talk about Silver, because we were kind of touching on, um, working with the crew and how people approach their relationship to the pirates. Yeah. So we see that Silver has now, um, completely won over the crew. They're all stomping along with him. He is telling them a story about Solomon Little, which we've heard him tell a story about before.
0: In what context?
1: He said, um... When he was talking to Flint about this plan for the stomping, he said, I used to be in an orphanage with a kid named Solomon Little, and he would do this in the orphanage. And we hear, in this story to the pirates, him telling some kind of story about a Solomon Little who went to Charlestown, and, and some we don't really hear a lot of the story, and something happened to him. Um,
0: He's using it to drum up the fear of the men, right?
1: Yeah, I think it's basically to keep them in line and keep them well-behaved while yeah. they're in Charlestown. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting that we hear that name again. It's clearly in the reserves as if he ever needs needs character. Yeah. Solomon Little's the guy.
0: And I can't, I mean, I, I searched around. I don't know if there's much, uh, there's any significance to that name in literature or otherwise. I
1: can't think of anything, but listeners, if you do know, let us know.
0: It might be like an anagram or I don't know. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Mm, probably not.
1: Uh... There's
0: no V. No, there's, so, no, no, it's not. It's not. So it's not. It's not.
1: Don't, don't try to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, don't make the mistake I did. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's funny because uh, it's notable instantly that it's like, oh, that's the same name. And like to the viewer, it's like, it is, so this is a lie. And then we cut to um, Scott and, uh, who is it? Is it Billy? Billy? Mr. Scott and Billy talking about the story. And they're like, yeah, he's told this one before. Or, or I've heard this one before. Billy's
1: like, this isn't his story. Yeah. I've heard this a bunch of times. Yeah. And Scott's like, well, it might not be his story, but the telling is his.
0: Yeah. He says a bunch of really good stuff, actually. So he says...
1: I think this is a good time to point out that this show was... Or this episode was written by the show creators.
0: Yeah. So like, there's a
1: lot of good lines. We
0: haven't been tracking that so much because it's... Um, I don't know. We have. Because we're bad people. Yeah, because we're bad people and we don't <laughs> give credits worth due. But um, in the process of looking up stuff in this episode, I noted that. And then I noted they've written a lot of these episodes, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, wait, I'm trying to find. Oh, so Mr. Scott is basically saying that it's not just that he's really good at telling the story, it's just that. That is an incredible source of power, and it has been the source of power for people like Captain Flint. Yeah. And I've never seen anyone do it like Silver does. Yeah. Um, what does he say? Uh,
1: it's just sort of um, reinforcing this idea that Flint got to where he is, and he got there so quickly because he understands and can weaponize the power of a story. But Silver is a master. Yes, yeah, it's a,
0: he's a natural. Yeah. Um, and Flint reali- recognized his need to do it to gain power, and Silver yeah. is like sort of has that talent already and is realizing the power of it.
1: Yeah. Backwards. It seems like Flint knows how to use it, can use it, but somehow has to work at it a little bit more and doesn't enjoy it. Yeah, he
0: doesn't enjoy it.
1: But I think Silver, like, he is in his element.
0: It is literally tearing Flint apart. I mean, we are sitting here being like, who is this Solomon Little? And it's they're, like, is it someone actually that he knows? Is it someone that he made up? What mm-hmm. is it? But he is not giving us anything in terms of what that name actually means to him. Whereas Flint has spent this episode and a ton of other episodes being like, Am I Flint? Am I James? Who is he going to see? Yeah. Which one is the person that I really am? Like, he, you can see that Flint's house of cards of lies basically, like, could be his undoing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what is the... I have something like the line here from Mr. Scott where he says... Uh, basically, when Captain Flint got here, he gained influence faster than any man I'd seen before. Some people said it was because of the violence, some said it was because of the charm, but it was clear to me it was because he knew the power of a story and how to harness it to his own ends. And of course, I mean, it goes without saying, in a show that is a prequel to one of the most famous stories of all time... Like this is a, this is the this it's is gotta it. be about stories. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. This is the show. <laughs> um, it well, also not only
1: one of the most famous stories of all time, but featuring one of the most famous storytellers of yes. all time. I yeah. mean, Silver is telling stories all over the place in Treasure Island.
0: Yeah, and also there is an air just like the Solomon Little thing of like, this happened. Yeah. Did- like, not like, are you completely lying? But it's like, did this happen to you or your friend? Or did you do this to someone? Or, or did you
1: do half of this yeah. and not the other half? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, the other thing this reminds me of is um, just in the in the function of the, in, of the sentences when Mr. Scott says it's not the, oh my gosh, what does he say? The story's his, the story isn't his, it's the power of the telling. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of um, tits, tits, fruit, fruit. <laughs> which is like episode two or three or whatever. But that that gets called back a lot, I think. Um, or, or it gets called back a lot in people's discussion of the show. I see people talking about it a lot, but I think this is like that structure, I think immediately reminded me of it that it's like this thing over here has fruit, this thing over here has fruit, but one of them is clearly better.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and one of them clearly has more power than the other. Yeah. So it doesn't matter anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, So, but that's not, so that's just one of Silver's scenes. Yeah. The other Silver stuff in this episode is, um, so basically while he's telling that speech, he notices that one of the men who, uh, or both of the men.
1: One.
0: One of the men, um, who he, who had come back with the message that the gold had disappeared from the beach are sort of laughing in the corner while he's giving this speech and sort of undermining his, uh, his storytelling power. It doesn't seem like anyone else notices, but Silver notices. And he takes them aside later and he says, I told you to tell nobody, to not to not raise suspicion at all, to pull this off, we have to just pretend like everything is normal. Um, and he singles one of the guys out and says, do you remember what I told you? And the guy doesn't remember the last warning part that says, like, don't tell anyone, etc., etc. Um, and then Silver... You know, in that scene already, he's like, he's conveying this authority that is, um, it's not scary, but it is more authoritative than I think we've seen him even on the show. Because in previous plots, we've seen him working with Max and sort of with Flint. But I think he regards those people as his equals. Right. And he does not think of these guys (laughs) as his equals. No.
1: This is definitely the first time that we've seen him be intimidating. Yeah. And be a leader.
0: And I think, like, it comes from a place of genuine frustration and yeah. um, and fear. Um, but it comes across to these guys as... Well, to, to them as a threat, and then possibly also... Uh,
1: well, so what what happens is he gets, he gets really mad at the one guy, he leaves, and then he says to the other guy, he could be a big problem for us. And it's so funny that we were talking about, like, different meanings within the story. Because to Silver, that just means... We got to keep an eye on him because he could be a problem for us. To the other guy who's been working for Captain Flint for maybe years, that means get rid of him. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and so he orchestrates a way to make it look like an accident. Um, beautifully. Really? Yeah. Really? Pretty intelligently. Yeah. Has he maybe done this before? (laughs) And goes to Silver and is basically like, well, it's a shame, but it had to happen and we see Silver realize in that moment his, the consequences that yeah. his words can have. Yeah,
0: There's the shot of him realizing in the moment that this guy has just set a trap for this other guy to die, and he runs up on the deck, and as he comes up on the deck, the body falls and hits the floor, or hits the deck. Um, it's just, it's so compelling to me because you have this feeling like F- Silver just made that guy drop dead with yeah. a word. Like, it's not like he showed up and he was bloody on the deck and somebody had stabbed him. He died. He, like, fell out of the sky. Like, it's there's something, like, about the shaping of that scene that is, like, extra terrifying to Silver, I think, that is conveyed to us about the power of his word.
1: It's also, like, um, the way the shot is, so Silver comes up and then we see, and Silver sees the guy falling from the rigging in a way that's, like... He's not dying a slow death, but there is time from the fall to hitting the deck of like, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no,
0: <laughs>
1: Like, he has to watch it happen. Yeah. Um, and it's also interesting because we've seen Flint kill people to get what he wants. That's been okay in Flint's world to do. For Silver, though, this might be his first time killing someone, I think.
0: Uh, no. I mean, he killed the cook in the first episode, Oh, yeah, he did
1: kill the cook. I I think
0: we've seen other examples, too, I can't remember, because I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. That uh,
1: he... He's been in raids, too, and stuff.
0: Yeah, and remember when he, um, during the handoff in season one of The Pearls and The Map, He kept sending out those homeless people to die. And he just kept sending them out. Yeah. And there was something very cold about that.
1: Yeah. So I guess it's not... I think it's the unintentional killing that bothers him.
0: No. I mean, what bothers him is that he did not mean for this to happen and that it might upset their plan. There's not like, oh, I'm murdering people left and right. It's like, I usually have extreme control over everything that's happening under my... Like that's that's the it's thing. The loss he of has a lot of control, yeah. and this is the loss of control. Yeah, even if it is like the secret and just sort of like willing things into the universe because he wants them. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> um, I think that's what's terrifying to him. It's not like oh my god, what have I done? Right. It's like what can <clears throat> I do? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Um, so that's Silver. Who do you want to talk about next?
1: Well, let's talk about our friend Flint.
0: Our friend? <laughs> is he even the same man? Well, I mean, okay, so we mentioned... Who men- is he? <laughs> we mentioned this already, but he does spend a lot of this episode being like, who is he going to see?
1: He's very existential this episode, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and he and Miranda have a lovely moment near the beginning of the episode where he says...
1: I just love having the two of them together. Yeah. You know, like, Finally, there's a reason for them to be together for an extended amount of time. Yeah. It's not just a flashback. It's not just him, like, stopping at home. They have a whole ship's journey to talk together and connect again, and it's wonderful.
0: Yeah. And I I just have to say... I love that there's not a moment in this episode where, like, the pirates are like, why is there a woman on the ship?
1: Oh, yeah. Like,
0: you can imagine a lesser show doing a sea plot about, like, one guy is creepily going after Abigail and, like, Flint has to put an end to it somehow and then, like, do a speech to his men about how, like, you got to respect them or something by way of having a whole episode where they're terrorized, you know? right. Like, instead it's just, like, no, they're on the ship and they get to read and write. Yeah. And they're hanging out.
1: And the crew understands that, This... Yeah. The the crew gets it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just such an example of, like, yeah, it, 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 I love that. Um.
1: It's just, even if it might historically have been true, that pirates would have been preying on the women aboard, it's just not interesting to me. It's
0: not interesting.
1: It's not good storytelling. It's lazy. And this show's better than that. Right. Yeah.
0: Um... So, okay, so anyway, Flint and Miranda. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of talking about what didn't happen. (laughs) Um,
1: They just have wonderful conversations about identity. Yeah. And am I the same person? Especially Flint has been talking about, you know, I've been sort of putting on this persona and this character of Flint, and Flint has done things that are unforgivable, and is that now who I am forever? Yeah. And and Miranda's done things which she f- admits to in this episode. We learn about Alfred Hamilton on the oh, Maria Lane. Oh, right. And that basically Miranda found that out. She was probably still in touch with some people in London and found out that Al- Alfred was going to be on this ship, the Maria Lane, and communicated it to Flint knowing that he would kill him.
0: Well, we always knew that, right? Because in the, st- in the gossip of the Maria Elaine, it always ended with Flint coming back to Miranda as if she had sent him on a contract somehow. Right,
1: right, yeah. But we didn't know that it was...
0: We didn't know who it was. Yeah, right, right, right.
1: Yeah, that it was Hamilton.
0: But we knew that she was dark.
1: Involved somehow. Yeah. And able, yeah, to somehow orchestrate a murder. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice to see her, now that we know their story to take that responsibility because we know exactly why they would want to kill Alfred Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And it seems justifiable to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this guy supposedly killed his own son. Um, But I just, uh, yeah, I really love Miranda. And I also think it's, interesting to for them to confront going back to society.
0: It, how do they the do that of,
1: in the form of Peter Ash?
0: You mean to say more about that
1: Like when they're when they're about to meet Peter again, Miranda tries to fix her hair sort of last minute mm. and it just brings to mind for me, those beautiful dresses that she used to wear and her intricate hairstyles and the jewelry and the makeup that she used to wear every day and and feel beautiful. And she looked so confident in those flashbacks, in those outfits. And to now see her in these sort of plain clothes and practical clothes and her hair is just simple and she's not really wearing any jewelry or makeup and It just was a moment of her fixing her hair of like a reminder of, oh, right, we're back in this world Mm -hmm. where appearances are everything and our appearances have changed.
0: (laughs) Are you saying that she likes that?
1: No, I'm just saying that not only have they internally changed and internally done stuff, but their outward appearance is different as well.
0: But, I mean, you're saying that in the flashbacks we saw how Eddie's and how powerful she was in that society. Yeah. And do you think the reentrance of her back into this world and where she's adjusting her hair and all that stuff is, like, her being like, ah, this is more like it, or...
1: No, I think it's her being like, am I ready for this?
0: Mm. Cool.
1: Flynn says, I wonder who... Peter's going to see, is he going to see me or is he going to see my name? But is Flint his name?
0: Yeah, right.
1: Is he going to see, and also I'm sure back in London, the name of James McGraw is now ruined. Right. So it's it's just a cool double meaning of like, is he going to see me, the actual person that I am, that he knows that was his friend? Or is he going to see the name James McGraw, or is he going to see the name Captain Flint?
0: hmm And it's kind of funny because uh, we have spent a lot of episodes showing that Flint very purposefully and diligently built that name. Yeah. That, like, he did it on purpose. hmm Like, he wanted people to see the name Flint.
1: Right. Flint is talking about judgment. And I think this is the first time he's had to confront the idea of judgment. Because he's been operating in a world where no one's going to judge him. He just needs to do what he needs to do to accomplish whatever goal he wants at that time, which, as we've talked about, is constantly shifting and changing and morphing and might be this thing, it might be that thing. But he's never had to answer to anyone before for what he's done. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the first time of feelings of regret yeah, and shame.
0: Yeah. So we'll see more... And what happens in this story, I guess, in the next few episodes. That's yeah. true of every story. <laughs> I don't need to say that.
1: <laughs> so this story will continue.
0: <laughs> Flint will return in episode nine. Spoiler alert! <laughs> um, okay, so that's Flint and Miranda. Who do you want to talk about next?
1: I I feel like, well, Jack doesn't do a whole lot in this episode, but I just wanted to sort of introduce the little nugget of him talking about Anne. So Anne has gone away on some kind of spy mission for Max. She's not in this episode. Bummer. I miss Anne. Um, But basically Max is like, I need to know why you're upset so we can deal with it. So tell me what's wrong. We'll figure it out. And Jack is basically like, I don't understand Anne right now. I don't know why she's doing the things that she's doing, and it's the first time that's ever happened. So... So, Jack basically says, either I never knew her at all, or she's changed into someone I don't know. And I'm never gonna know which one it is. Yeah. And it's just a lovely moment of once again seeing Jack's love for Anne and a reminder of their history together and how long they've been together. But it's I feel like that happens in every relationship at some point because people change. Yeah. And things happen and we live independent lives and at some point you're going to do something that's out of character or becomes who you are now. For some reason and your partner has to deal with that and change with you and grow with you so i feel like this is the first time that jack has not been in control of the relationship talking about control again he feels out of control
0: i also think that he's feeling a little bit of what Anne was saying a few episodes ago about like did he like the way he's talking about this reminds reminds me of relationships that start when people are very young, Mm -hmm. Um, like romantic relationships that start when people are very young, like they're in high school or whatever, and they just grow up with each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's in a few episodes ago, Anne was saying, I wonder if Jack prevented me from growing up in some way or learning how to fight my own battles in some way. And it's not to say that they stunted each other's growth, but when you've been with someone for that long and since they've been that young then you realize, like, I've had a really huge impact on their life. Yeah. And, like, have I changed who they actually are as a person or have I somehow altered their course from who who they were supposed to be or something? And I think this is also Jack sort of grappling with, like, you know, as close as I felt to her, was there someone really there that I never really got the chance to really know or to let really grow? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And is that person always going to be inaccessible to me? And, you know, have I lost her forever also?
1: Well, and... Is Anne not supposed to be with me? Right. Is she supposed to be with Max, and I'm keeping her from that?
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of Max, I took the note. Does Max have the power to reach across the ocean? Because um, a few last episode when Silver is explaining the, uh, or I don't know if that was the last episode, but when Silver is explaining that the gold has disappeared from the beach and he's walking Max through his thought process and thinking about that, he says, does, Sil- does Flint really have the power to reach out across the ocean and make that gold just disappear from, yeah. where- from standing in Nassau? And it's cool because we're seeing the machinations of max having that power yeah max is just standing in that brothel in a dress she's the shortest woman on screen and she's gonna make that gold disappear right under everybody's nose
1: yeah i love it
0: yeah it's really cool
1: it's also interesting to see eleanor's perspective on the gold now and how it's changed and i i had some trouble sort of following the thread of the gold because initially they were like, we need this gold because it'll revitalize Nassau and we can build defenses and make it a real city. And, and now they're saying that the, the gold coming in will actually disrupt everything and be a bad thing. And is that just because Eleanor won't control it? Yes. Okay. Control. This episode should be called Control.
0: Well, it's, yeah. Yeah, the gold is a change agent, and like, yeah, yeah, in the wrong hands, I guess.
1: But supposedly, in Max's hands, I mean, Max seems to be invested in Nassau, and in creating businesses, and I mean, she runs the brothel now, and she seems to be supportive of the community. I don't
0: know. So what you're saying is she should have the gold more than Flint should have the gold. Yeah. Yes.
1: And more than Eleanor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that is probably true. Yeah. Okay.
1: Go, Max. Um, And Eleanor makes some interesting statements. Like what? About not being a murderer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She tells some funny stories.
1: Well, (laughs) she just sort of is trying... I think Flint is accepting his past and will accept judgment based on his past and he knows that there are some things that he's done that are unforgivable. I don't think Eleanor is anywhere near that no acceptance of what she's done. No. And in my opinion, everything she's done has been justifiable. Maybe that's just me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but she is adamant that she's not this mob boss who can order hits whenever yeah. she wants.
0: Even though she's done that before. Even
1: though she is not she can.
0: Yeah, and she double-crosses people and she betrays them and she lies and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's all in service of her success and Nassau's success, but she is absolutely that person.
1: Yeah. Just embrace it, girl. Okay. Uh,
0: okay, so then the episode... So the episode ends... <sighs> what?
1: The episode ends in... Uh, not one of my favorite plot points.
0: Okay, talk about it.
1: Well, so, we find out that Vane has killed Eleanor's dad.
0: So, well, let's walk through exactly the beats of how this is revealed to the characters. Okay. Because, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, last we left off, Silver, or uh, Vane, thinks that he's about to be murdered by his own crew. Right. He says, you leaving here with Abigail dooms me to die in this fort. Right. And with the men having lost control, or having lost their patience with me and realizing that I've doomed them. And then for this whole episode, the fort lies silent. Yeah. Um, and when they go to the fort to, what are they going to the fort to do?
1: Jack goes to ask if they can keep the gold.
0: Right. Um, they see vultures or they see, Yeah. yeah, they see vultures hovering above the fort, which means that there's a dead body in there, dead body or more. Um, And I think the episode is trying to make you think that Vane is in there. Yeah. And that Vane has been left there to die and, like, roasting in the sun by his crew. But they open the fort and they find Eleanor's dad. Yeah. Dead. Dead for several days, it looks like. Yeah. Um, Awful. Really like Really, yeah, yeah, awful. Um, uh, Just strung up in the fort and Vane's men are gone.
1: Crucified.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Crucified. Which is
1: interesting. It's just interesting imagery. And I don't know if I fully understand it.
0: When is he literally crucified?
1: I don't think he's literally crucified, but he is up tied to a cross. He's not, you know, there's no nails or anything involved. Right. But he's tied up on a cross. And I don't know if it's just for the visual of like, we can see people seeing the body without seeing who the body is. But there, I mean, anytime I see someone on a cross, I'm going to think of christ imagery Mm. and i don't really know how any sort of martyrdom fits into this i don't think it's martyrdom
0: i think it's literally like the roman it's like it is vain presenting it to eleanor as a gift
1: yeah it's just presentational. yeah it's just
0: presentational it's not to imply anything about or i don't think it's to imply anything about um oh god what's his name Jesus? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mr. Guthrie's name.
1: Uh, Richard. You don't think that the imagery is meant to say anything about his character.
0: Right. It's to say something about how Vane thinks of this. Sure. And not to present Richard as a martyr, but as a... Um, sacrifice? Yeah, but like a sacrifice isn't a gift to Eleanor. Yeah. Um,
1: well, punishment to Eleanor. Like a sick... Yeah.
0: Punishment slash gift. Because he thinks that this is what she really wants, and this is setting her free in some way.
1: Well, he thinks it's setting her free, but he he doesn't think that's what she wants.
0: Right, right, right. Or, no, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right.
1: Yeah. He thinks he's setting Nassau free.
0: Right. So, maybe there's
1: some... Jesus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But anyway, so they come into the fort and they find this situation, and then we yeah. learn via voiceover from Vane reading a note that he left on the body but
1: that he didn't write. That
0: we know he can't write, so we know he did not write. Someone? Yeah, um, <laughs> he dictated to a very patient pirate. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that he has followed Flint to Charlestown to yeah. take the man of war.
1: Which So here's the thing about this letter. When I first watched the episode, I was like, that's so cool. Once again, Vayne is smarter than we think he is. He's got this whole plan. He's going to get the warship back. He's got the cool paint. But there's just so many, like... There's so many plot and character things that come up because of this letter. I mean, little things that are silly, like... Who did he say this letter to? Yeah. Who did he dictate this to? How did they get a boat?
0: They had a boat, didn't they? No.
1: That's why they were stuck in the fort.
0: No, they took the fort on purpose because they wanted to control Nassau.
1: They don't have a ship. Hmm. So they somehow took small boats, and I don't know how boats work, but maybe this is possible that they took a bunch of small boats very quickly to charlestown and somehow met them there without being detected like how does that all work and then at one point in the letter he says to eleanor basically i anticipated that you might betray me so i made all these backup plans which is just like okay so when you were talking to her at the gate to me that whole conversation is now invalidated
0: no i think that we're reading too much into that line because everything he does in this letter he does after she leaves well, what's the, the only line? thing that he he says, uh, I know you too well, so I prepared in case they were right. You removed the girl from my possession, but in turn the man of war moved on from the bay, moved on from a position of heightened security, moved on to a place where its attention, Captain Flint's attention, will be so very occupied in the danger that is Charlestown, and in the state of apprehension in which the last thing any of them will be watching is the water. I made clear the price for the girl. You should have known me well enough to know, one way or another, I was going to claim it. And once I do, I'll be returning to Nassau to settle the rest of my accounts.
1: So you think that as soon as Abigail was taken, he went back and was like, hey, crew, I made this plan. No, remember, no,
0: the plan, what he said, the preparations that he made is that he was planning to sail into Charlestown with Abigail. Remember? He had a plan to go to Charlestown. I know. So he had a boat or he had the men prepared to leave. Yeah. Like the only preparations that he made was to say, we're going to Charlestown with Abigail. And then the plan changed, and he was like, "Well, we're still going to go to Charlestown because we've already prepared for that voyage, and but we're going to take the boat instead." I think the letter, like nothing about the situation that he says after the point of, I prepared in case they were right, is anything he could have done. He could have done before Eleanor took Abigail from him, except for the fact of preparing for the voyage to Charlestown, which we saw him do a few episodes ago. We knew that he was doing that from a place of, um, of hedging, and uh, I guess of yeah. Het- of hedging the situation. Um, not necessarily because he thought Eleanor would betray him, but because he thought things just were not going to work out in his favor. That he was going to lose the fort.
1: I guess so. I guess so. But that's just...
0: It's fine. Our cat is cleaning herself. <laughs> it's fine. Within view of the... Allison.
1: It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get... we all of it at the end. Okay. But... I guess to me, it's just like, well, I don't know. Maybe I like it a little bit more now that he, he does know Eleanor. He knows who she is. He knows it's possible that she might betray him, but it just lessens the stakes to me for him to say, if you leave, I'm going to die. And for her to make that choice. I mean, he was lying to her.
0: No, he's being dramatic in this letter. Because the thing we see after she leaves also is them ambushing Richard Guthrie to take his butt. He did not orchestrate some Master Breaking Bad-style Walter White plot. She left, and he was like, I'm going to die. And then he was like, actually, there's another way. And I'm going to write this dramatic letter to say, pretend like you didn't really get me.
1: Yeah. I guess so. I guess I like that a little better.
0: I mean, it, literally, we saw chronologically that he didn't take Richard Guthrie until after she did this to him. Right. Um, so he was not prepared for this, but he came up with a plan. The only preparations I think he's referring to is preparing the men to go to Charlestown. Which we know because when they sail in Charlestown, they're like, they were expecting Captain Vane. And because we saw it a few episodes ago.
1: Okay. Okay. You convinced me.
0: (laughs) Also, we're here to be dragons, the podcast, and we don't know anything about boats. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) we know absolutely nothing about we
0: know we know nothing about both so
1: yeah truly nothing
0: we don't actually really know anything about tv or boats or pirates
1: thanks for listening
0: yeah um so Um, so that's the end of the episode yeah do you want to do tidbits or are you going to say something else
1: i'm just wondering if there's anything else i want to say about the letter but
0: oh um so what did ned say so Ned texted us...
1: Our good friend Ned, who you might remember from the Treasure Island episode.
0: And he said... <laughs> this is... Okay. <laughs> this, is what ne- this is what Ned said in his text. Damn, Vane with the power monologue again. Earlier this season, I discovered the glories of the power monologue, but made the mistake <laughs> of then cutting off the head of the only person who heard it. So this time, I'm writing it in a letter. <laughs> um, he's also... Yeah. Ned is expressing doubt at the idea that Vane is the one who schemes that like Vane has usually been the one who thinks with his emotions and leads with his gut.
1: Well, I guess that's why I kind of like your interpretation of events better Yeah, because it is sort of flying by the pants, making it up as he goes along.
0: Flying by the pants.
1: <laughs> flying by the seat of your pants. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: but it is sort of like making it up as he goes along. And reacting emotionally of, Eleanor has hurt me, I'm going to hurt her.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's do tidbits, quickly.
1: Okay. Quick tidbits.
0: Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Featherstone is in love with Adele.
1: Oh, yeah. Beware the women, they bite.
0: Oh, yeah. Mmm.
1: Mm, not great. <laughs>
0: Oh, the guy, the creepy guy with the long hair, Dr. Creepiness from Charlestown. Yeah. Um, he says the line, um, as he's explaining to Flint and Miranda as they walk through town, about how they basically... They didn't they didn't take away the... They, they increased people's fear of the pirates, but then shown how easily they could be killed. Mm-hmm. To basically say, the moment you stop fearing it, it loses all its power. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing because um, we saw, at the very beginning of this season the scene where Thomas Hamilton says, or no, where where James McGraw says, these monsters actually help society because society needs its monsters. Yeah. Um, But this is a society in which they've removed that power from the monsters, um, it seems, or they're trying to do. I don't know. I think that's an interesting comparison between the society that Charlestown has built. Right. Um, I love the dialogue. Um... I mean, just I mean, it's just it's so rich. The scene where Silver is realizing that he has a- accidentally ordered a hit on this guy, when the guy says, "Ain't we past that now?" is the yeah. line that <laughs> signals to, Je- to to Silver. He's like, "Huh?" What? Um, and then the entrance says, "Yeah." And then you gave me a look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been saying this whole time that Silver did it with his words, but he did it with a look.
1: I mean, he said. He's gonna be a problem. For right. Us.
0: And then he gave me a look and yeah. it was the look that sealed the deal.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. But you know what, visual body language is part of storytelling. Yeah. Um, in the this I think this is the one thing I wanted to say about the letter, Vane says that Nassau will remain free. Mm. which was sort of a great peek into Vane's worldview. You know, he mentions that he came from slavery and that he wants NASA to be a free agent, which means no Eleanor, no Flint, no England. I mean, he basically just wants, like, chaos. Right. Where everybody can fight for whatever they want, which is a unique version of Utopia.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. He says... So I'm resolved, I will be no slave again, and as I am free, I hereby claim the same for Nassau. She is free today, and so long as I draw breath, she shall remain free. Yeah, did
1: he write that? I mean, he said it, but like, which pirate did he say this to?
0: (laughs) (laughs) He probably made Richard write it down before he killed him. Oh, Oh my god.
1: That's intense.
0: That actually is the thing that makes the most sense.
1: Or he told it to Abigail before she left.
0: No, no, that timing doesn't sure work it's... out. Okay, fine <laughs> uh,
1: that's all I got for tidbits. I don't have a lot of tidbits We talked about a lot.
0: Okay, we talked about a lot. Yeah, we talked about a lot. We're good here. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, so we're at the end of the podcast. Great. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> follow us on Twitter, tweet stuff at us. Um, I think we had a few open questions that were open to prompts from Twitter, I yeah, guess. Yeah, um, rate review us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, I have on my list to get this podcast uploaded to the other things because it's not on the other things.
1: It's not on Android stuff?
0: It's not on Google Play, I think is what it is. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: So I have to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening.
1: I recognize you.
0: Okay. I recognize you too, I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: Bye. Beware the women, they bite! <laughs>